thank you, Lord, for my frailty. I thank you, God, for my weaknesses. I thank you, God, for all the times that I failed. I thank you, I thank you God, for the times in which the best that I could do was to give up. I thank you, Lord, for the moments in which I felt like quitting. Oh, God, I rejoice that I have not always had it together. Oh, God, I glorify the fact that I do not always get it right every single time. Lord, I celebrate the fact that I'm a mess. I celebrate, God, the fact that I have challenges, Lord. I glorify the fact, Lord, that I struggle. I, I, I broadly proclaim, Lord, that I'm wrestling with some stuff that I have not worked out yet. I say, God, out loud that I do not have it all together, that I'm dealing with this and dealing with that. God, I thank you that I'm going through challenges. Oh, God, I glorify you for my thorns. Thank you, God for the things that prick and the things that puncture. Thank you, God, for the things that wound and the things that hurt. Thank you, God, that, that I've had to go through seasons of valleys and seasons of hardships and seasons of winds and waves. Thank you, Lord, for taking me through trial after trial after trial after trial. Thank you, God. Because, Lord, I am a mess. I am weak. I am missing all kinds of stuff that is necessary for my promise. But, God, here's what I know to be the case. The weaker I am, the stronger you are. Lord, here's what I know to be the case, God. The more I can glorify you in my weaknesses, God, the more it exposes your strength. Here's, God, what I know that when I am weak, you are strong. And if you are strong, I am strong. So, God, I bring to you this mess of a man named Ron. I bring to you, Lord, this, this challenge of a man named Ron. I bring to you, God. My frailty, my concerns, my worries, my anxieties, I lay them at your feet, O oh God, so that I might experience your strength. Now come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, like you have never come before. Move and abide in this place. In Jesus' name it's so. The people of God say, amen. The oil and the thorn. The, 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 the oil. We see it. We use it. If you grew up in the black church, you know that olive oil has many uses. But it didn't start out this way. Truth of the matter is, it began with a seed, an olive seed. 
And then, and, then, and growers would take and they would plant the olive seed in some of the worst places on earth. Arid and dry and hot places. They planted on top of mountains where there was very little nutrients and, and they plant the seeds there. And they will tell you that in order for a seed to go from a seed to a full-grown tree, an olive tree, takes upwards of 40 to 50 years. 40 to 50 years of a seed living in conditions where nothing seems to be growing, nothing seems to be happening. 40 to 50 years of living in conditions where there's very little nutrients. 40 to 50 years of living in tough and dry and dark places. 40 to 50 years of what seems like a waste of struggle, of trying to make something happen out of nothing. 40 to 60 years of, of trying to make something grow and you just simply are waiting. 40 to 60 years of a season what feels like a weight. Growers will tell you that once the, once the olive tree grows and matures, once we're finished with the planting season, now it's time for the pruning season. In the first century uh, culture, what they would do in order to prune the olive tree, in order to get the olives off of the tree, they would not use instruments because they were afraid they would damage the olives. And so instead, the growers would go and they would get sticks and they would beat the tree and beat it and beat it and shake it until the olives themselves came falling from the tree onto the ground. Forty to sixty years of a season of wait, and now we're in a season where we're having to deal with trials and tribulations. They're beating and beating the tree beating it and shaking it until every olive falls from the tree down to the ground. There it falls. When it falls, it rolls. You, 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 you will remember that Jesus uh, spent much time on the Mount of Olives. Right, right, right. That is the mountain of olives. Olives were planted on top of mountains because the growers would use the trajectory and geography, the typology of the, of the, of the mountain to, to, to gather the olives in the base in the valley. You understand? You understand? They, they, would, they would use that typology. I got to say it again. They would use that typology of the mountain to gather the olives in the base in the valley. And so Jesus spent much time on the Mount of Olives, but his real ministry happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane was at the bottom of, Mount, of the Mount of Olives. Gethsemane means the place of the pressing. Because the olives would roll from the top of Mount Olive down the mountain into the garden where the pressing mill was set up. And there, that place was called Gethsemane, the garden, the place of the pressing. Here are the growers who are beating the olive tree until every olive falls from the tree and rolls down the mountain to the place of pressing. We have gone from a season of planting to a season of pruning, and now we're in a season of pressing, and it just seems to get worse and worse and worse. In the season of pressing, what they would do, they would take the olives and they would put them into what's called a grindstone. They would begin to grind the olives 
into paste. They would take these big stones and just grind them. Some, and some cultures, they would step on them, making them mush in the paste. And then after they had made them into this paste, they would take water and pour water into the mixture. It was called, it was called malaxation, where they would take and they would push water into the mixture. And they would mix it up. They put it in a centrifuge where they would simply spin it round and round and round until they could extract the oil from the water mixture, right? And so here you had a season where you have gone through beating and pressing, where you have been spun around over and over and over again, and yet out of that comes the oil. We didn't. We didn't start here. But we got here. Here's the reality, Toby. The reality, the reality, Bishop Toby. So the only one who knew about the oil was the grower. The seed, the seed had no idea that it was being remade into something. New the seed had no idea that it was going to have to go through a process of planting and pruning and pressing in order to come to its promise. The seed had no idea what it was going through. All the seed knew is that as long as it could trust the hands of the grower, it would be made brand new. We don't know what part of the season we're in. We don't know whether this is our season of being planted. This is our season of waiting. We don't know whether this is just the season of pruning, season, season of going through trials and tribulations, or the season of being pressed. But what we do know is as long as we stay in the hands of the master grower, we will be brand new. We'll come out. That's brand new. That's something different than what we started. But it takes going through a process. And nobody, nobody likes going through a process, especially when they don't know what the end is going to be. Paul, Paul, Paul helps us with that here in the text. Paul, Paul helps us with how to handle the process when we can't see the end. Paul, Paul helps us with how to handle the in-between, between pressing and promise, between planting and promise, between pruning and promise, between pressing and promise. Paul helps us with how to handle that process by saying to us that he rejoiced in the form that he was given. Paul, Paul is teaching us what to do with the oil in the form. Three things, three things, and I'm done. Three things. First thing is this. There is a goal to God's glory. Glory has a goal. Grace, grace, grace has a goal. There is a, there, there, there is a goal to the grace of God. Number one, there's a, there's a goal to God's grace. Number two, number two, there, there is a weight to weakness. There is a, a weight to weakness. And then number three, every thorn tells a tale. 
Every thorn tells a tale. Number one, number one, grace has a goal. Number two, number two, weakness has a weight. And number three, number three, every thorn tells a tale. Here's number one, here's number one, grace, grace, grace has a goal. Here's what Paul says. Paul says that three times I beg God, I ask God, can you get this thorn out of me? God, this, this, this hurts. God, God, and, and here's, here's the funny thing. So, so, so Paul uses the word thorn. But in the, ori- in the original Greek, that word is skalopus, right? And what that means is a tent stake, right? Paul ain't talking about something that pricks. Paul, Paul is talking about something that punches in, something that goes all the way in, right? This, 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 this isn't something cute that you can just prick your finger with. Paul is saying, I am hurt. I'm going through something serious. I got something serious going on. Paul labels it a thorn, but he's talking about a state. Paul says three different times to God, God, can you remove this thorn? Can you remove this thing that has punctured me? Can you take it away? And he is expecting God to say yes. I mean, wouldn't you? He is expecting that because of his service, because of his diligence, because of his, because of his relationship with God, because of his call upon his life, certainly God wouldn't let him have some forms. Say, <laughs> so he must not know about my God. Huh? 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 This is the same God that sent his only begotten son. To die on the cross for our sins. This is the same God who chastises those whom he loves. This is the same God who is with us in the challenges and the crash as much as he is with us in the victory. This is the same God that was at the seed just as he was with the oil. God knows what we can handle. And so God says back to Paul, my grace is sufficient. Sufficient. I know it seems like it hurts now, but you watch what I'm producing out of that pain. You you watch what I'm using that pain to push you towards. I know it seems like this is the totality of your world and your universe, but Paul, I'm doing some things and I need the, 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 the form to help push you to the next level of where I'm taking you. It's a part of your process and my grace is sufficient. Grace is sufficient. That, that, that word sufficiency. That word sufficiency. That word sufficiency means to have an adequate substitute. That word sufficiency means that it takes the place of what's missing. That word sufficiency means it fills in the gaps. That word sufficiency means it is to make whole. My grace is sufficient. My grace makes you whole. My grace fills in the gaps. My grace is an adequate substitute for the pain you think you're you're experiencing right now. God was saying, I know you're looking at what's missing, but if you can look at what I'm providing, you would discover that you would have never seen my, my blessings had you not had to go through my burdens. My grace is sufficient. Let's be honest. You think about your life. Where were the times in your life when you were most focused on God's God's grace and God's mercy? Was it it when you just got paid? 
Was it, was it when all the bills were taken care of and it was a sunny 75 degrees out day? Huh, huh, was, was, was that the moment when you were most focused on God's grace and God's mercy? Was it when, was it when you had earth, wind, and fire huh, huh, playing? Oh, I'm sorry, cool, cool, cool in the gang, give it up for, for bells passing. Was it when you had cool in the gang playing? Was, 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 was that when you were most concerned and focused on God's, on God's grace? Huh? Or, in fact, was it when you were stepping on some thorns? Was it when you were waking up to some thorns? Was it when you were opening your cell phone and, and calling some thorns, listening to some thorns, going to the mailbox and receiving thorns? Was it when your day was surrounded by thorns? Wasn't that the time that you was focused on his grace and his mercy? That is the sufficiency of God's grace, the goal of God's grace. The thorn was used to point us in the direction of his grace. God is saying, look, I and I alone can make you whole. Paul is helping us get through the process by not focusing on the thorn, but instead focusing on God's grace, recognizing that we are whole and whole alone only through God. There is, there is a goal to grace. But not only is there a goal to grace, number two. Number two, I'm almost done, number two. There is a weight to weakness. There is a weight to weakness. So, 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 so we try to go to the pool uh, uh, every now and again with, with Ronald and David. And of course, y'all know David is the five-year-old. Ronald is the eight-year-old. Uh, go to the pool. Um, um, get in the pool. Swimming in the pool. David will often say, Dad, can you put me on your back and swim across to, to, to one side to the other? No problem, David. Come on, get on. I got it. Huh, huh, David gets on my back, I'm swimming, get to the side, calls me his, his, his taxi, going back to the other side, I got it, right, right, no problem, no problem, David, you want a second ride, got to pay up, I'm ready, huh, huh, Ronald will look, Ronald will say, well, Dad, if you can ride, if you can ride David, the five-year-old across the pool from one side to the other, can you ride me on your back from one side to the other? Ronald will go and mount on my back. I get in the pool. I'm ready. Ronald, I got it. I get about a stroke in, and I discover I'm drowning. <laughs> I said, boy, you got to get off my back. I can't, I, can't, I can't handle your weight. Your weight is too much. I can't. <laughs> right, right, right. What, what, what Ronald is helping me see is that there's a difference when a real weight sits on you. Huh, huh, huh. When, 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 it's, when it's all my power, I can go the way I want to go. Huh, huh. But when there's a real weight that sits on me, it causes me to pause. It causes me to be still. It causes my focus to be on the weight and not my ability. What Paul says is that when I focus on my weakness, I'm saying that there's a weight because there's a weight when God allows his power to rest on me. God will only allow his power to rest on me when I recognize that I am weak. And when the power of God rests on me, almost like Ronald on my back, I discover I can't go any way, any which way I want to go on my own. When the power of God rests on me, I discover I got to be still and deal with the power that's resting on me and not simply my will and my will alone. 
That, 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 that there is a weight uh, to, to your weakness. What you discover is that when God allows his power to rest on you, you are stronger than you have ever been before. When God allows his power to rest on you, you discover you can withstand some winds you weren't able to handle before. When God allows his power to rest on you, you discover that you can take on some things that before used to crush you. Now they got to stand toe-to-toe with you because you're operating in your weakness and in God's strength. There is a weight to weakness. We think, we think we're big and bad. We, we think we can do it all on our own. And if we tell the truth about it, church, we have tried. This, this ain't the first time you drowned. This ain't the first time you got overwhelmed with the stuff you were experiencing. This, is the, this ain't the first time where you haven't been able to swim forward, where you haven't been able to take one step. This is not the first time where, 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 where you've had to deal with the challenges you have going on. When, when are we going to learn to focus not on our strengths, but instead on God's power? When, when are we going to learn to give up this notion that we got it together, that we got it in control, that we can handle any weight thrown on our back all along. When, when are we going to learn to give that up and instead say, God, I am weak. I need your strength. Paul says the only way to get through this process from seed to oil, the only way to endure the thorn in your side is to recognize that you are weak and only God is strong. The only way to get through is to recognize that it's only when the power of God rests upon you that you can endure what you're going through. I don't know who this word is for, but I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, endure. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that he mapped this season out in your life to increase your endurance to increase your endurance, not just for what's happening now, but for the journey ahead. That God is doing some things on the inside of you that are specifically geared towards increasing your endurance. That's why you're still in the process. That's why you're still dealing with the thorn because God is doing something. He's moving you from seed to oil. He's taking you through the pruning and through the pressing and through the promise, but it takes your ability to endure. Will you endure with Jesus? Will you, will you recognize that, that, that there, is, there is, watch this, watch this, that there is a goal to God's grace? Will, will you recognize the sufficiency of God's grace, that it's only God's grace that can make you whole? God's grace is, a, is an adequate substitute for everything that you've been missing. You don't have to chase after nobody to get what you've been missing. All you need is the grace of God. The grace of God is a substitute you've been looking for. The grace of God is that which makes you whole. The grace of God is sufficient for your success. There's a goal to God's grace. Not only is there a goal to God's grace, but will you recognize also that there is a weight <laughs> to, to weakness? That, 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 that when the power of God arrests upon you, some stuff got to change. 
How, how you, you, you can't swim the way you used to swim when the power of God is on you. How you going to drown that way? Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. Be still and recognize that something has shifted and that something new has happened. Right? Recognize that God is doing something. That's the only way to recognize the power of God is in your weakness of man. And then number three, then I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Every thorn tells a tale. Every thorn tells a tale. Horticulturists will tell you that there is something unique about thorns. Thorns, thorns, watch this, watch this. Thorns are in underdeveloped rows. Thorns are what happens when the rose that was trying to bud did not get all the nutrients it should have and did not grow to its full potential. A thorn is an underdeveloped, incomplete rose. And so what happens is because it cannot bud to its full potential, because it cannot grow to the full rose that, that, that it was meant to be, it simply curls over, crust up, and sharpens and becomes a thorn. How many of us got some thorns in our life? How many, how many of us have some places in our life where God has told us what to do? God has placed an expectation on the promise of our life. God has given us destiny and purpose, and instead of fulfilling what God has called us to do, we just simply stop and get thorny. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, don't, 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 don't. Call someone, you, you, you're real thorny today. You, 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 you're real thorny. So how, how, many, how many of us have stopped living into our potential living, into our purpose, instead gotten comfortable with thorny situations? How many of us have stopped going after the goodness of God and going after the purpose of God in our life and going after the will of God and trusting God and instead have gotten okay with getting stuck every which way? Gotten sidetracked with our thorns. Instead of focus on God's goodness, that's, that's what a thorn is. A thorn tells the tale of an undeveloped destiny and purpose. A thorn tells the tale of missed opportunities. A thorn tells the tale of going after my will and not God's. A thorn tells the tale of depending on my strength and not the Lord's. A thorn, a thorn is an underdeveloped, incomplete rose. And what Paul said, as we got to lean completely into the power of God, the strength of God, so that we can move beyond these thorns, move beyond the weight of our mess, and to experience the goodness of God. The only way to go through the process is dependent on God's strength, is focused on God's purpose, is going after our destiny, going after what God has lined up, going towards our season of promise, staying in the process, and then we will see the goodness of God fulfilled and matured in our lives. It's a process. 
we, 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 we might be in this series on recovery for a while. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. And, 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 and you, 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 you're not going to like this, but you're going to have to go with your thorns. You, 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 you're not going to like this, but you're going to have to climb that hill again. Wounded. You, 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 you're not going to like this, but you're going to have to get up and start working and start going, even though you're still wrestling with a limp. You're going to have to do it limping. And if you can do it limping, glorifying in God, what you will discover is that it's his strength that gives you endurance. It's his strength that gives you peace. It's his strength that moves you from seed to oil. It's his strength that gets you through the process. It's his strength and his power that moves you to the next level. It's his strength and his power that moves you into your destiny and your purpose. And you did it because of and with God. The oil and the thorn. Number one, there's a goal to God's grace. There's a goal to it. We don't just get grace. Grace comes uh, uh, to bring us sufficiency. It comes to substitute that for which we have lost. There is a weight to our weakness. When we trust in God's strength, we discover that, 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 that we got to change up how we do stuff. Or else we drown in our own mess. And then number three, every thorn tells a tale. There are some underdeveloped places in your life. And let this be the season where you begin to bud in the places that you have walled off and closed off to God. Let this be the season where you go back and you begin to look at where the thorns in my own life, where are the places where I need to connect again, where are the places where I need to provide nutrients, where are the places that I need to water, where are the places that I need to go back to, because I don't want no thorns around me. I want, I want every gift that God has given me, every promise that God has given me, I want it to bud and to flower and to fruit like nothing before. I want it to be all that God has called it to be. But it takes being dependent on his strength. If you can do that, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Amen. Listen, I love you. I thank God for you.